Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. hour the airwaves belong to you sit down strap in and let's head to wgr's fast track all right take a nice big deep breath buddy with your host let's go out there and have a good day all right bud. dave buchanan Good morning, race fans. 1102 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always and have another great show lined up for you here this morning. Um, on this slightly warmer Sunday morning, I, I'm waiting for the day. I don't know, it seems like every spring in Buffalo, there's just like that one day when, when Mother Nature kind of, you know, flips that switch and it just goes from winter to spring here in Western New York. Uh, it just in, in my opinion, in my short 34 years on this planet, that just there's that day when the, 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 the flip switch, the, the switch is flipped and we just go from winter to spring and it's all downhill and it, you know, it starts to get really nice. I'm hoping this is, today is the day that the winter is, is fully behind us and we can just have nice warm spring days from here on out. Um, and that would be great, especially with racing season here in Western New York, less than a month away. But I'm hoping today is the day. It was a nice drive in this morning from Depew and, uh, hope everybody has a great day coming up on today's show. Uh, of course, uh, NASCAR talk here in the opening segment. We'll do some of that with Jeff Gluck from jeffgluck.com. If you're not familiar with Jeff or uh, you are familiar, but surprised to hear that he writes for himself now. He used to write for USA Today and SB Nation, but uh, is now doing his own thing this year covering the NASCAR series. And we'll talk to Jeff uh, about that and about NASCAR racing in general coming up. But a quarter after the hour, about 11.15, we'll talk to Jeff here on the program. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Troy Williams is going to join us. Troy is the owner of Troy Williams Racing, a former racer in his own right. Started out racing uh, late models at Holland and Lancaster. Uh, went on to do some Bush North, now K&N Pro Series East racing. And somewhere along the line, decided to become a car owner. And one of his former drivers is uh, gotten pretty big in this sport. You may have heard of him. His name is Daniel Suarez, the reigning Xfinity Series champion, now Cup Series driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. Daniel made his first NASCAR starts in America in the K&M Pro Series East division, driving for Troy Williams. Troy, originally from Arcade, New York, uh, still uh, connected here to Western New York, uh, has some local drivers along with his K&M Pro, Pro Series uh, teams. And uh, so, and actually, Troy got our. Troy received a big shout-out from Daniel at the Xfinity Series banquet last December, or last November, excuse me. And uh, so we're going to talk to Troy about his relationship with Daniel, uh, what give us some insight about uh, what the young man is all about, and just talk about his racing operation in general. So I thought it was a really cool story um, with with Daniel's championship and him moving up to the Cup Series that you know, uh, his first starts in America were driving for a Western New York-based Operation. So we'll talk to Troy Williams at the bottom of the hour. Also, time for your phone calls as always to 803-0550-1888-552-550. Phone lines are open for you this morning to talk about anything going on in the world of motorsports. Lots going on with NASCAR. Uh, the Formula One season kicked off this morning. We'll mention upon that. Uh, NHRA, 
uh, in action last weekend at the Gator National. John Force got a win. Uh, IndyCar uh, taking a couple weeks off before they get going once again in Long Beach. Uh, so lots to talk about. And uh, local racing season, as I said, less than a month away. So anything you want to talk about this morning, uh, feel free to do so. You can also find us on social media, at uh, Fast Track 550. That We're on Twitter. It's a great way to touch base with us and keep track of us during the week. And my computer monitors just went dark, so that's not a good way to start the show. Uh, also, you can find us on Facebook as well, too, facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. There we go. I think we're back online. I just bumped the monitor. I tried to pull it closer to me, and I think the cord fell out because it just went dark. But I believe we're coming back. Uh, the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series wrapping up their West Coast road trip this week. I said that last week, by the way. I'm an idiot. I said repeatedly that last week at Phoenix was the end of the West Coast road trip, and I, I don't know why I got how I got that wrong or but uh, it was probably because I was thinking about the Sabres wrapping up their West Coast road trip last week. But this is actually the real end to the, the NASCAR Goes West trip today at the California, uh, at the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, uh, a track that has become one of the most exciting tracks on the NASCAR Spring Cup Series. Or, whoa, boy, got to put a dollar in jar for saying that. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series circuit uh, over the last three, four years. And uh, we've seen some great finishes at Fontana over the last few seasons and shaping up to be another good one today at Fontana. As Kyle Larson, your current Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series points leader, is on the pole for today's race, driving for Chip Ganassi Racing. Kyle riding a streak of three straight runner-up finishes, including another one last weekend in Phoenix, uh, failing to catch uh, Ryan Newman at the end of the race last week after Newman stayed out on old tires and uh, stole the win last week in Phoenix. So Larson, three straight runoff finishes, leads the points, and he's on the pole for today's race at Fontana and also won the Xfinity Series race yesterday there at Fontana, too, holding off Joey Logano. So right now the hot hand in the sport belongs to Kyle Larson. We'll see if he can turn that into a victory today at Fontana. He'll be on the pole alongside Denny Hamlin. Uh, who's had some uh, good runs and also some scary runs at Fontana over the years. Of course, remember he broke his uh, back uh, at, at this racetrack a couple of years ago in that uh, amazing late race battle with uh, uh, with uh, Kyle Busch and Joey Logano a couple of years ago. He'll start second today. Brad Keselowski uh, finishing, uh, starts third today alongside Martin Truex. And Ryan Newman starts fifth, fresh off that big win at Phoenix. A huge win for Newman. Uh, over 100 races in a few years since his last win, also ending a long winless stra- uh, drought for his team, Richard Childress Racing, their first win since Kevin Harvick had left the operation. So a big win last week for, for the 31 team after uh, they used a little pit strategy and uh, stole the win. And uh, good times continue for that operation as they started fifth today alongside Matt Kenseth, Kevin Harvick, Jamie McMurray, another Ganassi car in the top 10 in row four, and then the Gibbs cars of Kyle Busch and the aforementioned Daniel Suarez. Round out the top 10. Suarez coming off his best career cup finish last weekend, by the way. He kind of struggled the first three races of the year, but got a top, but it got a top, excuse me, a top 10 finish. I talked too fast, I know. Uh, Top 10 finish last week uh, at Phoenix. He will start 10th today. Uh, Other notable names in the field uh, Austin Dillon, Casey Keene will be in row six. Uh, Chase Elliott, Eric Jones in row seven. Kurt Busch starts 15th today. Uh, a lot of big names uh, struggling, though, this weekend in Fontana. you got Dale Jr. back in 18th. Ryan Blaney, 19th. Uh, then you go way down, you look, and you see Joey Logano starts 35th today. And Jimmy Johnson, who crashed in practice. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say crash. He spun out and then hit the grass. And you know how the splitter digs into the grass and tears up the front of the car. That's what happened to the 48. Uh, they had to go to a backup car, so they've been struggling this weekend, too. They start 37th, so some big names uh, deep in the field today. 
uh, at Fontana. But I think the the one thing I'm hoping for most today, I really want to see Kyle Larson win. I, I, I know I've been hyping him the last couple of weeks here on the program, but I'm hoping this is the year for Larson. I, I think... Uh, he could be a great uh, attention getter for the sport. You know, he's his short track roots, his sprint car roots. You know, make him a, a great draw for for the people that are for for fans who watch the sport, who are also dirt track racing fans, sprint car fans. They are huge supporter of Kyle Larson, so it gets their eyeballs to stay in the sport. And also, I just think he's a great young personality that can maybe draw in a few. Uh, you know, mainstream viewers on a regular basis. I think he's a great young talent, um, and, and this is looks to be his breakout year. Uh, finally, he's got he, you know, he's won he's won in the sport, but he hasn't had. Uh, we've seen we've seen him slowly get better over the last couple of seasons, especially by the end of last year. But maybe this is the year uh, the, for the first time he can actually compete for a championship. And I know I've been talking about that the last a lot the last couple of weeks. But uh, really hope that that's what we get today is a win from Kyle Larson as he'll start on the pole. And, and this track, perfect for Kyle and his sprint, sprint car background, a, a track that he can, uh, if he was were on a dirt track, he'd be riding the cushion. But he riding up right up against the wall, uh, running the high line, a very wide racetrack at Fontana, very fast racetrack. And uh, drivers have a handful today uh, because of, of the speed and the numerous lanes that they can run on. And also the uh, the age of the pavement and the sealers that are on the track. You know, the, the, the crack sealers that you see like on the thruway. They also have them on the racetrack at Fontana. And that also makes it a handful for these drivers. And you combine that with the lower downforce. And these guys are going to be doing a lot of slipping and sliding. We've seen that a lot already this weekend in practice in the Xfinity Series race yesterday. So uh, that suits up. That suits a, a, a guy like Kyle Larson with a sprint car background. He he loves slipping and slipping and sliding, and he loves a loose race car. So uh, this could be his day to get his first win of the season and give us five for five to start the year. Five races, five different winners. We've already got five different winners so far in 2017 with. Uh, Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, and Ryan Newman. Uh, all three manufacturers have won this year, and uh, possibly maybe we'll go five for five to start the year. As it's been, uh, as much as as we've talked about uh, different manufacturers and you know which one has an advantage, a little bit of parity here to start the season with all three makes getting at least one win so far this year between Chevrolet, Toyota, and Ford. Uh, you know, Fords do have some good power with the Penske cars. And uh, Ryan Blaney, and of course with the Stuart Haas cars now, Toyota maybe struggling a little bit with the new Camry body and the Chevy cars. Uh, you know they've gotten some. They got luckily the Ganassi cars are kind of helping them out right now because outside of the 24, the Hendrick teams have kind of struggled this year. But a little bit of parity to uh, start the season. Eight oh three oh five fifty one. 888-552-550. The other big news story of the week, in my opinion, uh, concerns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and an announcement this week from NASCAR that when the Xfinity Series goes back there in uh, late July, uh, along with the Cup Series, that uh, they're going to run restrictor plates at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just the Xfinity Series, not the Cup Series, but the Xfinity Series cars are going to put the plates on just like they would at Daytona or Talladega in an effort to try and improve the on-track product there at Indianapolis because it is has not been good uh, over the last, well, I mean, Indianapolis in general with stock cars at least has not put, does not put on a good show. And, you know, the, they've been running there now for over 20 years and, uh, you know, you just, you don't get the quality of racing like you would in the Indianapolis 500. You get it, you get it with stock cars, these big heavy cars, on a flat racetrack, just not conducive to exciting racing for the most part, and especially has gotten bad maybe over the last, I don't know, 
eight to ten years, and it's starting to show in the stands too with smaller and smaller crowds coming for the Brickyard 400 versus, you know, we're getting sellouts for the Indianapolis 500 the last couple of years in, in part due to the 100th anniversary of the event. So in an effort to try and improve the product on track-wise for stock cars at Indianapolis, they are NASCAR is putting restrictor plates on the Xfinity Series cars. They're also adding or, or tweaking the uh, aero package, uh, taller rear, rear spoiler, splitter package, and even uh, aero ducts on the lower front bumper uh, on the cars to try and improve uh, competition. And apparently this package has already been tested in Indianapolis with some success. Um so who knows um, who knows what we'll see when, now when we say restrictor plates you know it's not going to be you're not going to see the style of racing you see at Daytona and Talladega I don't think it's going to be that you know it, you won't see the 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 way they race on the super speedways I don't think it's going to look like that at Indianapolis but it should or at least hopefully uh, encourage these cars to or make these cars more able to pass each other and uh, reel in the car in front of them um but I mean I'm just I'm ready to, for stock car racing to be done at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. In my opinion, we'll have to talk more about this in a minute because we'll be getting Jeff Gluck on here soon. But honestly, I would be okay if the Indianapolis Motor Speedway went off the NASCAR schedule. I don't I know it's never going to happen because it is too prestige prestigious for the drivers and teams. I think that's always the overriding factors. These drivers want to win it in Indianapolis more than anything, and uh, you know that that's always a bucket list type racetrack, but. I would be okay if the Brickyard 400 went off the NASCAR schedule, um, unless we see an improved product out of the Xfinity Series uh, later this year with with the restrictor plate package. More on that in a little bit. We're going to go, though, to the AT&T hotline and bring in from JeffGluck.com. It is the one and only Jeff Gluck. Jeff, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, Dave. How are you? It's good to talk to you as well. Um, one of these rare weekends where I'm not at the track. I'm not getting ready for the race morning. Just going to watch on TV. So a little bit different morning, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I know it's always hard to get you on a race weekend because you're usually knee deep in a tweet up right about now. So that's why it's always hard to get you on race days. Exactly. Yeah, this is the prime tweet up time. I think there actually is one at this moment going on in Fontana. So uh, you're not you're not Skype you're not skyping in on the tweet up at Fontana. Oh, you gave me an idea. Uh, <laughs> I think I think I'll pass on that, but uh, no, it's it's usually uh, you know the time in the morning where everything's getting going. But um, I'm glad that that uh, it was an off weekend just so I could talk to you. And uh, it was been a busy weekend. You had the the big Cavana uh, wedding, uh, Alan Cavana, who we've had here on the show numerous times, a Buffalo Bills fan, and uh, he and his bride got married last night. How did that go? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, obviously, not a lot of NASCAR people were there because most of them were in Fontana, so. Um, <laughs> I happened to be in Charlotte, so I was able to, to attend, but yeah, um, the Syracuse guy, Buffalo Bills fan, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of upstate New York type going on <laughs> last night, so that was good. Well, Jeff, here we are, four races into the season, and the the guests that I've had on so far this year, I always just right off the bat want to ask them, now that we're four races in, just your overall thoughts on the on-track product for the, the Cup Series with all the new rules for whether it's competition or aerodynamics, everything that's been put in the sport this year. What is the, What does it look like to you after four races? Well, Dave, I'm a little bit concerned about how it's going because I think in, like, the last three races, there's been something that happened at the end where there was some sort of a crazy finish or, you know, 
unexpected result or a late pass, and it sort of changes the perception of how people remember the race and view the race. Mm-hmm. But if those things hadn't happened, I don't know that the races have been that compelling. Yeah, you know, like you look at the Atlanta race compared to last year's Atlanta race, and I thought, oh, this is kind of lackluster. Um, Vegas race, nothing was really. Um, going on, and then all of a sudden there's a fight at the end, and you know Keselowski falling out on the last lap um, last week. The stuff with Newman staying out. I mean, but aside from that, it's like you know the races are. I don't think there's been um, as much action as I would have anticipated based on the lower, lower downforce package. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious to see if that's just sort of an anomaly, and, and it's going to get better, or if this is a, a trend, and they need to go back to work on it. Because I think we all expected that this was going to be really spectacular racing this year, and it's just been okay. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially on the mile and a half track. They were kind of meh races that got exciting, and again, especially the the Vegas race. And luckily, there's been some late race stuff to kind of spice things up. I agree that that the product has not been uh, anything memorable, but luckily we've got some good finishes out of it. Uh, do you think part of it is, and of course, this this doesn't wouldn't affect the end of the race so much but are 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 we still seeing a wait and see approach on stage racing or do you think now teams have kind of started to develop strategies on how to approach the at least the ends of the stages so far this year you know to me it sounds like the intensity might pick up at the end of the stages a little bit but overall i don't think that they're changing as much as we might have thought i mean mm-hmm. it's different when you go to a big track and you can sort of play some pit strategy even like I'm sure you know when you get to Watkins Glen, um, you know you, you think about pitting several laps before that stage, knowing the caution's coming. Well, what will that do? But if you're on any sort of a track where you're going to get lapped and you're going to go laps down um, by pitting under green or something like that, it's it's not going to be worth it. So you're you're pretty much just going to have to wait to the end of the stage. And so aside from the intensity of of hey, I got to get this one or two points that you get for being in the top 10, I don't think it's dramatically changed anything. It's just sort of almost like a a competition caution that you know is coming. Jeff Gluck joining us here from jeffgluck.com and WGR's Fast Track. Today's race, Jeff, at Fontana, the the little track that has had a almost 180-degree turnaround in the eyes of NASCAR, a, a track not known for... An exciting on-track product has now in the last three, four years become almost a much must-watch race of the season. And it looks like we're going to potentially get another good show today from what we're, we saw yesterday, the Xfinity Series race. And just the, with this track aging and everything, it has become a, a great facility for the Cup Series. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I used to um, work for the local paper out there, mm-hmm. and it was the butt of all the jokes, you know? The national media would come out, and I would almost feel defensive because it was my local track. <laughs> you know, everybody was picking on it, and and it was bad. I mean, it um, the attendance was struggling when they had two races, and the racing wasn't good, and you know the field would get all strung out, and everybody was just like, "Oh, this is terrible." Um, you know, I think at the time it was like a pair of five hundred mile races, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and you know, it just it, it wasn't great, and now you hit the nail on the head because I think of the big tracks, I'm not going to say, you know, the short tracks and road course, I still think offer the best, most consistent product yep. that's, that's exciting to watch. But of the big tracks in NASCAR, the big ovals, um, this, I think Fontana is, is by far the best. I mean, it's, it just delivers over and over again, um, past few seasons now. And, you know, it's, it's, 
become sort of the perfect track. The way the surface has aged, um, the way there's multiple lanes, the drivers love it. They put on a fantastic show. The restarts are insane, but even after that, you can still track people down and pass by um, using different lanes than they are. It's not some sort of thing where where the leader gets out and that's it, yeah. I'm over. And I think that's that's perfect for NASCAR. Um, I just wish there was more tracks like it, but it, it definitely makes today's race exciting to watch, and then it kind of makes you think, oh, you know, should they have two there a year? Because <laughs> <laughs> It's certainly a good show, you know? Yeah, combine the, the age of the facility with the fact that they lopped off 100 miles. That that certainly helped as well. Uh, Jeff, uh, Kyle Larson starting on the pole today. We've talked a lot about him this season. What do you think about Kyle Larson? Is this uh, just a case of Chip Ganassi racing getting off to a hot start? Or do you think this is the, the first year we'll see Kyle Larson maybe contend for a championship or at least maybe have a long playoff run this year uh, with that 42 team? Well, he's certainly uh, he's certainly looking pretty good right now. Yeah. Sort of like Kyle Larson's world right now um, with all these second-place finishes, three in a row. And if you take Homestead uh, last year, four out of the last five races have been second-place finishes for Kyle Larson. I mean, it's getting pretty crazy. Um, wins the Xfinity race yesterday, starts on the pole today. So it's like, wow, everything seems to be coming together. Um, I do think that their cars have gotten a lot better. And that's definitely something that, you know, it's funny because we always, it's sort of a cliche to say, oh, does this team pick up in the off season? And a lot of times it's just sort of a, like a talking point where we can <laughs> you know, have something to talk about before the season starts. And, and then it doesn't really happen like that. You know, that the contenders who ended the year last year are typically the same ones who are good, but they really did seem to find something in the off season. Um, they've gotten a lot better. And I think it's a combination of, of him um, coming into his own in the series and, and making better decisions, not taking himself out of races with mistakes and, and things like that where he's running the high line and hits the wall, and it's like, well, there goes his day. Yeah. And, you know, the fast cars that he has. I mean, it's definitely showing up. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, last thing before we let you go, a couple you know veteran drivers kind of struggled out of the box this year, and notably a, a couple of the the Hendrick drivers, uh, Dale Jr., Jimmy Johnson. Some of the incidents, especially Daytona, weren't of their own doing. But what do you make of of, of the Hendrick teams outside of Chase Elliott? Pretty much, uh, get, again, getting off to a slow start here in 2017, kind of like how they did last year. Although obviously they started performing real well come the playoffs with Jimmy winning the championship. Yeah, I I tend to think that uh, it's still too early to get overly concerned about it. I mean, I know Jimmy only has one top 10 finish, but I mean, he could easily go out and win today, even though he's starting at the back because he went to a backup car and didn't qualify. I still feel like he could come through the field and everybody's like, Oh, there he is. Back. And what were we talking about? Um, you know, Dale jr. I, I feel like also has shown enough speed to where he's going to be okay. I mean, he hasn't gotten the finishes necessarily, but, um, the speed has been there at times. Last week was a little bit odd. I thought he was going to be better, but for the most part, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll both make the playoffs easily, um, probably win a race. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's still Hendrick Motorsports. I know they didn't have their best year last year, even though they ended up winning the championship, but I feel like they have, there's so many smart people there. They're going to get things turned around. And um, if, if another few weeks goes by where, you know, like uh, – they don't do well at Fontana. Um, they, if they struggle at Martinsville for some reason, if they don't do well at Texas, then I think it's like, okay, what's going on here? But for now, um, I'm not going to get too concerned yet. 
Jeff, before I let you go, I, I, we, I guess I got to make this, this personal because out of some of the big storylines and just running, running jokes, I guess, through the start of the season, you've been involved in some of them. Uh, your move from USA Today to start your own site, uh, capturing the Kyle Bush, Joey Logano fight on Pitt Road, this, this hat joke thing the last couple of weeks. I know reporters aren't supposed to make the news, but it, it's been funny how, how so much you've been connected to so much here at the start of the season. I know it's it's kind of weird. I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, man, if I'm getting sick of hearing my own name, I want. I bet people are getting really annoyed with me in the media center. Or something, <laughs> you know? um, it's it's like I, I don't know how to. Uh, I don't know why this all keeps happening, but at the same time, having a startup website, it's it's a good thing, I guess. Um, I won't I won't dismiss it and say, well, it's terrible, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I I don't think I could go like this forever and keep being in the in the miniature spotlight on some of these weeks because it's it's just a sort of uncomfortable um I'm not used to that like you said I mean um as writers reporters were taught to sort of um stay out of the spotlight and I know the new internet age sort of requires something different with Twitter and things like that sure I don't want to go so far out of the way that it's like who is this guy why is he yeah what's he doing here you know well, uh, Jeff, uh, actually, last—I I swear this will be the last thing. But is it the the experience of going? I, I you made a career move to, to support your wife. I thought it's a great decision. Put family first. Um, but this this—I guess you could say experiment for now. But it seems to be working. But uh, d- is it going the way you planned when you decided to go with this kind of crowdfunded operation for your site, JeffGluck.com? Is this did it meet your expectations or surpass them? Oh, it it way surpassed them. I really thought that um, you know. It's it's really uncomfortable to ask people for money. You know, you're like, hi, I'd like to go to races. Uh, can can you guys pay for me to go there? Um, because I'm on my own now, and it's it's that's like the most uncom- uncomfortable thing I've ever done. Sure. And so, but I thought there'd be like a sort of a lukewarm reception to that. Like, you know, yeah, you know, we we like your tweets, but you know, not that much. <laughs> you know? So I thought, you know. Some people would support it, and maybe I'd have to take like a part-time job or drive an Uber or something for her <laughs> to get it off the ground, and you know, really, you know, take some time and, and um, build it up over time. But the reception has been so far beyond what I thought it was going to be that now it's it's working. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be going to way more races than I thought. So. Um, hopefully I'll be able to see up and walk and swim this year. Very good. The the godfather of NASCAR Twitter, Jeff Gluck, and I mean that because you were one of the people that probably got me into Twitter like eight, ten years ago when, when all the <laughs> NASCAR media type started getting You were one of my first follows. So uh, great catching up with you. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the race from your couch today, and uh, we'll hopefully talk again soon. All right, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. Yep, Jeff Gluck. Again, jeffgluck.com is his own site this year, doing it on his own, doing it his way. And a very interesting operation. It's a, a crowdfunded website, and if you want to donate to Jeff's work, you can do it right through the website. Uh, it's a, it's a great project, and uh, tough to make a choice to put your family first. But it is he moved with his wife out to New Mexico to, uh, to help her pursue her career? But it seems to be paying off as he's still able to cover uh, NASCAR. All right, we get back. Uh, we're going to talk to Troy Williams, uh, local. Uh, former local racer turned car owner and one of the people that helped jumpstart Daniel Suarez's career in the United States. We'll talk to Troy when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. But it worked out very well. We finished 11 in that race. And after that, the owner of this team, Troy Williams, he opens me the doors of his house. 
to move to the United States for the very first time. I was super excited. That happened just right after that race. I went back to Mexico to tell my mom how excited I was that I was going to be able to move to the United States. My mom gave me the opportunity. I took my bags. After a few, a few months, I moved to the United States. But guess what? Guess what? It wasn't just the United States. It was Buffalo, New York in January. <laughs> and it was, as you guys can imagine, it was very, very cold in January for a kid of Mexico. So what I thought it was going to be a lot of fun wasn't, wasn't a lot of fun after one week. So I, I started to learn English. I started to learn how to work on race cars. And the most important thing, I, I learned how to live away from my family. That is Daniel Suarez. That was the Xfinity Series Championship Banquet last, uh, I believe, late November. They held that right after the season. And that is the champ uh, talking about his experience in coming to America and part of that coming to America was made possible by the guest on our AT&T hotline, Troy Williams, who is a former racer turned car owner. He joins us on the line this morning. Troy, good morning. Great to talk to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Doing well. Uh, what, is it, what does it mean for you to, to hear that again, to hear Daniel talk about his first experience of coming to America and staying with you? What, how did that make you feel to hear recognize you at the banquet like that? Well, I think that, number one, that... Um, as kids, as uh, children, that we all grow up and we have dreams. And sometimes we chase our dreams. We don't fulfill our dreams. But if we don't make a dream, we can always try to help somebody else, you know, fulfill their dream. And uh, we've been a part of that whole diversity program for about 15 years. And we've worked with a lot of different diversity drivers and uh, have, you know, been very, very uh, successful in uh, fulfilling their dreams and helping them move on to bigger and better things. Troy's team was the first team that Daniel Suarez drove for in America in a NASCAR event when uh, he made his first starts in what is called the K&N Pro Series East, one of the development series in NASCAR. Uh, Daniel's first starts in America were driving for Troy Williams and his Troy Williams racing operation, which is based out of Arcade, New York. Troy, when you first met Daniel and and saw him get behind the wheel for the first time that you saw him in person, what were your initial thoughts on on Daniel? And did you see right out of the box that he had a talent that could take him as far as he's gotten? Yeah, well, the uh, the real funny thing about the whole story is when they sent him here, they had said that he wasn't going to race. He wasn't going to race on the weekend that they sent him there, and we had knew that he had a lot of talent. And I said, well, let's try to do a little test session, you know, before we go to the racetracks. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to this little quarter-mile racetrack, and, uh, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And at that moment, I had told the whole organization, um, this would be foolish if um, Danny doesn't get the race um, because what he's showing is just absolutely phenomenal. So we sort of did a trick on his uh, group in NASCAR Mexico, and next thing we had registered him to to, uh, race, and he ended up out qualifying. Uh, The other champion had a guaranteed starting spot for the um, Toyota Showdown, which was he had qualified 10th and the other driver had qualified 11th, and then he runs in the top five most of the race, and it was just unbelievable. I mean, the biggest barriers was, uh, you know, English. Sure. He absolutely, at that time, knew no English whatsoever. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, Daniel mentioned in that clip we played, uh, you know, coming experiencing Buffalo in January. Do you have any funny stories of of Daniel getting used to, to being in western New York in the winter months? Oh, I got several funny stories, <laughs> and every time it snows, I send him a picture of the boots that are still at my house. And, um, <laughs> um, because he come, of course, he doesn't have any warm clothes, so we went out and we bought him uh, boots and um, snow pants and snow sho- or uh, jackets, etc. Uh, the funniest, uh, there are three things, and the one is seeing him drive the uh, snowplow truck. <laughs> one number two was seeing him run the snowblower, <laughs> which when the snow started to fling up in the air, and I have that on video, it is just, I mean, he jumped like something was shocking him. So when the snow started to blow him back in his face, and he's laughing and laughing and laughing. And then uh, I think the most exciting moment was we put him in the snowmobile, and I called some friends, and uh, we were trying to find an extra snowmobile and mm. found one, and uh, we got him going. And next things, we're looking back, and he's down in the woods. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, boy, this ain't going to be good. And how do we get down in there? Um, he goes, there's no brakes. There's no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, those those snow those boots you should send those you should call Winston Kelly and get those boots in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, that's um, that's a great idea. Yes. Well, Troy, like you said, you've been part of this now for 15 years. You were driving in, I think it was still the Bush North series back then. But what gave you the the idea to go from driver to car owner? And then how did you get involved with bringing? And Daniel isn't the only Mexican driver that's driven for you. You've had a ton over the years, like you said, 15 years now being involved with the diversity program. How did that all come to pass that you you started uh, being a team for development drivers out of Mexico? Um. Um, I was, uh, back in 2003, I was set to run the whole uh, Bush North um, schedule, and at the last minute, the uh, sponsor had uh, uh, basically, the uh, plug got pulled mm-hmm. um, due, to, due to funding in the uh, corporate world and the corporate company where, where the, there were some things that were going on from the, in, in the one company that had sponsored me for several years. Mm-hmm. The owner was like a father to me. And uh, he called me in his office. So one day, everything was based on a handshake. And uh, he says, unfortunately, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know? And at that time, um, you know, the economy was really, really struggling. And the sponsorship stuff was, was very, very difficult, you know, to get unless you were a name of, of Earnhardt or, or um, a Petty or, you know, somebody else that had a lot of leverage. And we didn't have that here. Sure. So, uh uh, I had to fall back on my crash here at Watkins Glen, and, uh, and I happened to be at Watkins Glen, and you know, got introduced to uh, several people, different NASCAR, and uh, they had seen uh, different things that I had did, and uh, asked me if I wanted to be involved in the project, and I had told them no like three or four times, and this went on for about six months, and then they called me back again, and and um, says Troy, you really need to be involved with this. Um, this is what we want you to uh, be a part of, and. And then I told him no again. <laughs> I really, really thought that I would never ever um, get a call back. And I told him no uh, just for the reason is I wasn't finished. I wasn't good with myself as far as finished racing. Um, I still wanted to race. Um, I still wanted to be involved. Um, most 
as a driver. Yeah. And uh, then really it. And I says, well, you know what? I can be an owner. I can be a trainer. I can do this stuff um, for many, many more years to come. And the driver opportunity, um, I'll put that on the side. You know? Sure. The good thing about it is right now is I do get in the car a lot. So even though I'm not, uh, you know, competitively racing, I am, you know, competitively training. Um, I do, do, you know, work hand in hand with all these drivers in and out of the car. Right. So, uh, that uh, plays a big role. Yeah, so you're just you're not just the owner. You're also mentoring these drivers as well too, and giving them tips and everything how to how to drive stock cars in America. It's not just you know you're not just giving them a seat, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, since then, that's opened the door. Uh, we've trained drivers now for four different countries. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been a great th- a great thing for you and your operation. And uh, this, you know, I remember last year you brought uh, Luis Rodriguez. You brought him to Lancaster, put him in a sportsman car, and, and now he's dri- he drove for you uh, at New Smyrna earlier this year. How, what, what about that? He was a very nice young man, very well spoken. I spoke to him and his father. Uh, they're very tight with Felix Sabatis, um, but it's, and he drives Ferraris uh, on as a. Uh, also, a lot for his road racing career, but it, it, a lot of great talent that you've had a chance to work with. Yeah, the talent that comes out of him right now is unbelievable. Uh, of course, Daytona race uh, wasn't a good showing for him. Um, we're looking forward to Greenville coming up for him. He was the uh, winningest driver in the um, Continental Series back in uh, uh, 2015. He was on the podium 10 out of 12 races last year. Uh, he has a lot of depth. He has a lot of talent. Uh, we've worked with him on the short track here. Mm-hmm. We've uh, been doing a lot of training with him, and uh, you're going to see big things out of him. Uh, the other driver that we have is actually um, Daniel Suarez's roommate in Charlotte and his best friend. So, really? Yeah. Is that Enrique? Enrique Baca. Yeah. Yes. They actually grew up on the same street in uh, Monterey, Mexico. As um, kids, they've been lifelong friends. And, um, I mean, like I said, you know, they're roommates. And uh, uh, Danny's still heavily involved, you know, with the whole project. So it's exciting. Very good. And not only do you groom these drivers from Mexico, Troy, but you still support drivers here in western New York, too. I I, I know you work with uh, Billy Osborne, uh, uh, Daniel Majak. Uh, You work with a couple drivers up here still, too, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, a lot of these drivers have um, come to our shop, and and um, they want to learn. Um, they've been in here, and they've they all go to races with me, and then vice versa. I help them out as much as I can. You know, they're all great kids. Very good, Troy. Thank you so much for the time. It was a a great story. I had been wanting. I when the when it all went down the championship and the banquet. I wish I was on the air at the time. We could have had you on back then. But it was something that had been on my list of guests when this season started. I wanted to get you on to talk about that and and uh, helping Daniel and, and what you've been doing with your operation. Great to talk to you. Best of luck the rest of this year, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Troy Williams again. Uh, Troy Williams Racing, based out of Arcade, New York, and again uh, he gave Daniel Suarez his first NASCAR start in America uh, back in 2011, who is now an Xfinity Series champion and a Cup Series driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. When we get back, we'll uh, wrap up this week's edition of Fast Track. Uh, phone lines are open here, 803 888 We'll wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. 
Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan from my friends at Batavia Downs. Discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination with over 800 of the hottest and in-demand video gaming machines, lots of great new titles with new ones regularly added, and make it a night to remember by visiting one of their great restaurants, staying at the night in their hotel, or wagering on live harness races. And April is Rainmaker Month at Batavia Downs Gaming. They'll put one person each Saturday into their Rainmaker Cash Cube to win cash and free play. Niagara Wine Trail event on April 8th to check and check out a country concert performance from Runaway June on April 21st. More information available on their website, BataviaDownsGaming.com. And Batavia Downs Gaming, a great place to go to play their video machines, wager on harness racing, and also hanging out, too, and just watching sports. You can do that 34 Rush Thurman Thomas' sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. they got tons of HD TVs, college hoops, NASCAR, hockey, uh, baseballs just around the corner. Uh, if you want to go over to a place and just watch sports, it's also a great thing to do at 34 Rush. Uh, we had a ton of fun when we were there last year. Batavia Downs Gaming is open daily, 8 a.m. until 4 a.m., right off through eggs at 40 in Batavia. For more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for updated info on all promotions. And discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. And tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track. Hey, this is Chase Elliott, driver of the number 24 Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. 11.52 here on WGR. Dave Buchanan wrapping up this edition of WGR's Fast Track. Formula One kicked off their season in Australia. Kind of a surprise. It wasn't Mercedes getting the win. It was actually Ferrari as Sebastian Vettel getting the win in the season opener over Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Botas, the two Mercedes drivers. Uh, of course, big story coming out of last year's Formula One season. Nico Rosberg won the championship for the Mercedes, just up and quit after he won the title, kind of like Carl Edwards. Just uh, decided he had enough and retired. That opened up the ride for Botas and uh, Lewis Hamilton, of course, still with Mercedes. But it was Vettel getting the win at Australia. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen finishing fourth. Max Verstappen rounding out the top five for Red Bull. Felipe Massa coming out of retirement. To drive for Williams this year, he finished sixth, Sergio Perez seventh, Carlos Sainz, Danny Kvyat, and Esteban Ocon rounding out the top ten. Not a good day for the Haas F1 team. Of course, their second season in F1, the uh, only American-based operation owned by Gene Haas, who is the Haas and Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, Their returning driver, Roman Grosjean, dropped out with mechanical issues, and their new driver, Kevin Magnussen, uh, he was involved in an opening lap incident, and uh, both drivers did not finish the race. Also not finishing the race was uh, Canadian Lance Stroll, who's the new hired gun at Williams, along with Massa. Uh, He got his ride partially in the fact that his dad threw in a lot of money on the deal. Uh, Also did not finish the race as well either. But a lot of changes in Formula 1. I won't pretend that I... I'm an expert on, on F1, but uh, of course, new ownership in Liberty Media this year, taking over for Bernie Ecclestone, uh, as Ecclestone had, had owned the sport for many years, but unfortunately, they're in kind of a bit of, kind of like NASCAR, where it's the sport's in a bit of a downturn right now. The competition's gotten stale, where you've got the Mercedes dominating the sport and everything, so Liberty's coming in, going to try and uh, level the playing field a little bit, and they want to bring the sport further into the 21st century. Uh even here that they want more races in America, but that's yet to be seen. So uh, this could be a big year of change uh, in Formula One. And uh, again, a surprise right off the bat with uh, Ferrari stealing the win from Mercedes at uh, Australia today. Of course, they'll be in Montreal in June for the Canadian Grand Prix and then in America in October at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas uh, in October for the American Grand Prix. We'll, we'll see where they wind up uh, putting... Um, uh, if they do find a second American date, where they would possibly put that. 
Uh, local racing starting to get warmed up, uh, not real close, but uh, down at Mercer Raceway Park, which is about two and a half hours away from Buffalo, about an hour south of Erie. They had a dirt-modified race, and uh, Rex King Jr. got the win. Cooter King got the win over Randy Chrysler from Tuscarora Nation. Uh, Brad Rep third. Ransomville's Eric Rudolph finished fourth there at Mercer Raceway Park uh, yesterday. So uh, things starting to get closer to home here for some uh, short track racing action. Uh, you can go today to the outlet mall in Niagara Falls. The Ransomville Speedway Car Show wraps up today. You can A uh, lot of great-looking cars, including Eric Rudolph's uh, car. He's going to race at Ransomville this year. is on display. Many others, if you want to check those out. Um, so uh, we're getting there, getting a little bit closer. Unfortunately, some sad news out of the short track racing world. Last night, uh, Dave Steele was killed in a uh, asphalt sprint car race at the DeSoto Speedway down in Florida. Uh, Dave, uh, great sprint car driver, uh, USAC, Silver Crown Racing, most famous in, but also did racing in ARCA, the Xfinity Series, even the IRL uh, during the split years. Uh, so he was a well-traveled veteran, and uh, un- but unfortunately was killed uh, in an on-track incident last night in DeSoto. So another, unfortunately, sprint car incident to, to talk about. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it's not been a, a good few years for the, the sprint car racing community with some uh, high-profile deaths and, and drivers getting injured and such. Um, so unfortunately, uh, uh, our thoughts with the family of Dave Steele, who uh, passed away yesterday. Uh, also... Um, some uh, modified racing down south, uh, the Southern Modified Racing Series, uh, their first race of the year, kind of taking over for the NASCAR Southern Modified Tour. Brandon Ward got the win at the Orange County Speedway. Uh, I know Jimmy Zacharias went down there for that. And uh, trying to figure out where – oh, Jimmy finished eighth last night uh, down there in in, uh, in North Carolina. So uh, he, he made the long trip down there to uh, run with that Southern Modified Series. Um, coming up later today on WGR, we will have some college hoops. We've got UNC Kentucky coming up as uh, the Elite Eight wraps up today and sets the stage for the Final Four. Uh, Kansas losing last night, so my bracket went totally busted. Not that I'm any kind of college basketball expert, but I, I was hoping to, to win the pool I was in. I was leading it until Kansas lost. So We'll concentrate on Fancy NASCAR, which I need to turn myself around there because Paul, is, Paul Hamilton's got ahead of me. I've kind of stumbled here the last couple of weeks, and Paul now is beating me. I'm sure he's enjoying that greatly. So uh, we'll hopefully uh, have better luck today at Fontana. Hope it's a great race. Uh, that comes up uh, about 3.30 this afternoon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 